you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now in Fast, ending on a high note. Markets closing out the week with another set of gains. The Nasdaq leading the way and notching its longest win streak since November 2021. The S&P closing just shy of 4,000, its highest level in a month. But with the heart of earnings season just around the corner, can the rally roll on? Plus, stuck in reverse. Legacy automakers taking a hit today after a major announcement from Tesla. Did the EV maker just raise the stakes for the rest of the industry? And we're just about ready to wrap up the reveal of our traders' 2023 acronyms. Bonowin and the general, nice. Jeff Mills, on deck for us tonight. One is looking at some zen, while the other is lusting after the limelight, how they're trading the new year coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Bonowin Eisen, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grosso. And we start off tonight with a message from the big banks. The stocks are racing early losses after their latest reports. Wells Fargo jumping more than 3%, despite shrinking profits and higher provisions for loan losses. J.P. Morgan, Bank of America City also ending the day in the green. The gains coming even as bank execs suggest that the strength may not last. J.P. Morgan saying a mild recession is now its central case. And B of A CEO Brian Moynihan expecting the economic slowdown to start in the early to mid part of this year. So what should we take away from what we heard today, because from what they're saying, everything's fine right now, but everybody is saying they're battening down the hatches, Bonowin. They are. You know, I think we had been looking forward to bank earnings for a while, and they kind of came in line or beat um, both revenue, net income, and really, you know, you're going to be laser focused on this NII number. And the real question is, have these numbers started to peak? Uh, if you kind of look across the board, and Bank of America is at the top of the class in terms of their loan book, but they have switched to over a billion dollars from a shift from loan loss releases to provisionings, and you've seen that across the board. So at the very least, you kind of tie in the fact that J.P. Morgan is kind of saying that the base case is now for a mild recession. At the very least, you've got to be looking at consumer discretionary. And if the banks, which are at top of class, are making provisions for the consumer to perhaps increase in defaults, I'd be looking the same way. Almost feel like I'm out of breath from the rally in the banks. I mean, you could make an argument that I'm running from the subway yeah, two minutes ago. That too, um, <laughs> and, and and so, but that's what the banks have been doing. They've been rallying against the S and P. They've outperformed the S and P by 20 percent. Agree with Bonowin. The the comments about a light recession are probably from Mr. Storm King himself, Jamie Dimon. Pretty encouraging. The net interest income dynamic, I think, is something that maybe has peaked. But either way, these banks are so much more profitable. It's all about credit. It's all about the interpretation of what that recession is going to look like. And I think so far, so good. I think banks can go higher. Yeah. Um, what do we glean for the rest of earnings season, Jeff Mills, as we enter it? I mean, if they're saying that things are OK now, I mean, it's possible that Q4 was actually pretty decent. It's possible that Q1 guidance could be actually pretty decent if that if that mild recession is still yet to come. Yeah, it certainly is possible, but you know, I think we need to look ahead to what guidance looks like, and I think the fourth quarter results might be okay. 
But let's look ahead. The one thing that I thought was interesting that JP Morgan said was in the net interest income assumption, that included two more rate hikes this year, but then two rate cuts later in the year, kind of in line with what the bond market is saying. So I keep asking myself, in what scenario do those rate cuts actually occur? And my guess is it's some significant economic slowdown, then to your point, that ultimately does end up having an impact on earnings. And I keep going back to this very simple equation of what should the multiple be and what are earnings likely to be. And even if we're generous in earnings and say we come in around $210, so that's flattish to a little bit of growth this year, and we put a 17 times multiple on that, 17 times was the average multiple over the last decade when rates were zero. Um, So that's somewhat generous as well. And that doesn't give us a whole lot of upside from here. In fact, it would point to a little bit of downside. So I think that's still to come. And again, I think the message from banks, like you said, is okay now, uh, but potentially deteriorating going forward. I think that was interesting, um, Steve, what Jeff was saying in terms of the rate cuts being in line with what the market is pricing in, in terms of the forecast from J.P. Morgan. It's almost like be careful what you wish for. You want rates to come down, right? I mean, that's what the markets want in theory. But the reason for them cutting, for the Fed cutting rates, has got to be something pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know if it's got to be something pretty bad. I think the fact that everyone wants the Fed to actually stop right now, because the Fed is usually late to act and late to stop acting. So maybe, maybe I'll look at it as the glass is half full, where maybe <laughs> what they're saying, or maybe what the economists are saying uh, underneath J.P. Morgan's umbrella, is that the Fed will overreach. So if they overreach, they have to step that back because that's going to be a man-made issue. If I were to tell you that the S&P would be above all of its moving averages, that would be a home run. And the S&P is above all of its moving averages today. So and it has not been above the 200-day moving average with any type of consistency, Melissa, for the better part of 2022. By the way, I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. So, so now when you look at the look at the technicals of the market, they're setting up well. When you look at the financials, they ran up into this print and JP Morgan made a new high. But I think the takeaway for me today was the consumer sentiment number. Once that came out, it really beat people's expectations. It made everyone feel uh, well about the market and the market. And the banks as a whole moved higher from that point on, 10 a.m. on. I, I was just going to say, uh, but way, did we miss the dress down memo for Friday here? I mean, I don't know what <laughs> Jeff yeah, and it's Steve. It's weather. You I know, mean, I guess. apparently that's what we're doing here. Um, I, I, and I agree with Jeff. 17 and a half is more than the, the market's uh, S&P uh, trading multiple from 16 to 19. Our friend Julian Emanuel, though, has come on the show and said, when you have everybody so hunkered down and yet you've maybe peaked at a a dollar move, you know, he says it's 11 year peak. I'll just say it's peaked from a crazy year and a half rally. Uh, Those are things that are going to really support the market here. So so this is a market where there is stuff to do on the long side. It's a market where I I think the one thing that troubles me the most as a trader right here now Mm -hmm. is the VIX. And I turned to Bonwin. I mean, you know, the the mean reversion dynamic of the VIX, which we all know isn't necessarily a one to one correlation to where risk is, but an 18 handle is where we close yeah. this week, which is lower than we've been since almost pandemic, pre-pandemic. Yeah, we're on the same page here. And so we talked about consumer sentiment, uh, sorry, trading sentiment, and whether or not it gets overbought or oversold, and whether or not we start to get to a place of malaise and where we're not risking. And so people have been so conservative coming into the market, and there's been good reason to be. But at this point, I think you've got to look at the VIX to your point, Tim, and start to say, 
it feels like people are starting to get very comfortable with this rally, which kind of undermines what has led to the rally in the first place, which was that everyone was positioned defensively. It was a consensus that this first quarter, first half was going to be pretty challenging and that we were going to rally into the back half. But the fact that we are now rallying and making new lows uh, or, or new seasonal lows in the VIX, I think is a bit concerning. And perhaps there's a bit too much consensus on the positive maybe side not, now. Maybe they're not long enough. And maybe it is actually a bullish scenario setting up that they're not long enough to actually hedge against what they should have on their books. So I think you touched on that a little bit, Bonowin, but I'm looking at it as people don't have enough risk to actually hedge yet. And that's why we've seen the disconnect from the VIX to the overall market. I think they're hedged. I mean, I think they're hunkered down. And I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, though, Steve, because at some point this could be a sign that people, uh, the VIX can go lower if people are even suddenly capitulating on their yeah. view that a mild recession from Jamie Dimon is something we can all endure, especially with joblessness um, probably at, at, at record lows or that you know, at least the unemployment rate is staying near all-time lows. So a mild recession may be good. Um, and as I say, cash positioning, professional community, there's a lot of cash. In fact, there's almost yeah. record numbers of cash here, too. So um, we've done this so many times, the wall of worry and what the market can do in terms of crawling. But 18 VIX, it's a mean reverting thing for me. I mean, is this is this just, um, you know, complacency playing out? I mean, we're basically we're checking all the boxes when it comes to the consensus view for the first half of the year, Jeff Mills, and the banks have actually confirmed it with the calls for a mild recession. We're just saying, you know what, we're underscoring this notion that everybody thinks that the recession is going to be mild, that the worst part of the year is going to be in the first half of the year. Or is this, la- or is this lazy long? Uh, is this a lazy long being long this market at this point? Yeah, it's you know it, I go keep going back and forth on this, but I, I look at two relationships that we're talking about. One is the VIX, something that I think is really interesting, sort of the lowest levels we've seen since late 2021, early 2022. But then look at gold at the same time. Gold has outperformed for the last three months, including this year. So you have this weird dichotomy between those two areas of the market that is enough to just at least give me some pause. And you know I keep coming back to this idea that. You know, the market and the Fed keep getting further apart relative to what they expect for the second half of the year. So, you know, our guess is that the first half of the year might actually be okay because the labor market is still reasonably strong. But as you push into the second half of the year, you actually start to see those cracks in the labor market, in earnings. That's when you might actually have a problem because the Fed doesn't pivot. The market has to react to that. Multiples adjust. And that's when we end up having more difficulty. All right. Uh, moving on here, we do want to get to this other story. Tesla slashing prices dramatically on its vehicles, dealing a potential blow to legacy automakers trying to compete. The company taking down prices by as much as 20 percent on some models. Tesla stock finished the day down, though well off the lows of the day, still up for the week. The bigger move seen, though, in the others uh, in the EV space, Rivian, Ford, GM, Lucid, just some of the names that dropped on Tesla's headlines. The, the thinking here is the market share leader is cutting prices. The rest will follow. The startups will have a much harder time catching up. And uh, for those of like Ford and GM, they're going to have to match to the detriment of margins, Tim. 
For sure. I'm, I'm shocked that, that Tesla didn't sell off more, but maybe that was in the price. Maybe we've already known about demand. Maybe we've essentially been imputing this. The, the price cuts, I also think, really on a relative basis, hurt their profitability more. What we've been hearing about the, uh, at least about Detroit, is that they've been able to raise prices through this and that actually uh, net prices are, are even a bit higher, even as used car prices fall. We know what the used car market is telling us about where pricing is going. I think at some point, I, I think part of the move today, again, the, the, the fast money interpretation of today is that uh, Ford rallied 25 percent over 10 sessions. GM rallied 20 percent over those same 10 sessions, whereas Tesla's been a bloodbath. Um, it's not great news for Detroit, but I think, again, if anybody's priced it in, uh, GM peaked at 60 uh, as we came into this year. It's a $37 stock now. So um, I think it's it's uh, a case of where everybody's priced in concern about demand. Yeah. Grasso? Yeah, if there's going to be a price war, uh, Melissa, then the, the one company that wins hands down is Tesla. They have the gross margins to protect against any price war. They have efficiencies in manufacturing. They're building more plants. There's rumors of, uh, or an ongoing conversation about another plant in Indonesia. This is going to be something where the conversation will go from the EV space to the battery space. Tesla will win in all, on all of those fronts. So if, if this is the way it's going to be, Tesla's a winner in this market. Why? Well, you were saying why? Why? Not? I mean, because these price cuts are really putting into, you know, a stone's throw the pricing on a Ford competing vehicle, for instance. It's also making a lot of these vehicles eligible for the federal tax credit, which makes them much more competitive. So why the why the doubt over Steve's claim? Well, I, I feel as if Tesla has had a lot of profitability that's come from EV credits and buying these credits and profitability that I think is challenged. I think they have trouble making that Model 3 uh, at, a, at a price point that actually works. So I, I just look at the, the margin that's in an F-150 right now, not an EV. And again, it was nice that you threw them into the EV camp because they're not EV. I mean, no, no one's pricing Ford uh, as if it's an EV company. But um, I, I think we're, we're in a world where that's, you know, that's really where Detroit needs to catch up. So um, the debate. I, I, go ahead, not, Steve. Not to, not to go two boxes with you, Tim. I, I just know it's a short charge. It's one of Tax credits haven't been a bull story for Tesla in quite some time. And now, if it becomes a price war, no one else can protect their price the way Tesla can. And now you have the kicker of being, being actually uh, having the ability to, ha- to have a tax credit from the federal government. I think it makes it really attractive again to buy a Tesla. Got to go here. Um, coming up, a few more acronyms to go. Jeff and Bonowin are here to spell theirs out. One of them is a showstopper. <laughs> Plus, it's Friday, so you know we've got a chart of the week for you. One stock inching higher has caught our traders' attention. What is it? Stick around to find out. Much more Fast Money in two. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got more acronym fun for you tonight. Bonwin, sit calm for a minute. Hint. We're going to let the renowned General Mills go first on this one. Jeff, take it away. Yeah, so mine is FAME. There's nothing really to the acronym other than the, the first two that I came up with were DEAD and OMEN, and they were far too depressing. So we went with FAME <laughs> instead. But I, I, thought about, I thought about it like constructing a little portfolio, different sectors, different catalysts, not really overly exposed to one risk. So Five is the first one. You know, it's that discount retailer theme, higher income shoppers coming down to five. I think we're just seeing the beginning of some labor market challenges. The chart look good, looks good to me. So that's one. Then we have Amazon and Meta. And those were two stocks that we did a would you rather at the end of last year. I chose Amazon, but I like both. With Amazon, I think you're going to get margin expansion as the revenue mix shifts. Uh, it held $80, which is a really key level. I like that. And then Meta's just been killed, but it's a great business. Profitability, free cash flow, all these characteristics that I've been looking for in this market. I think long term, they figure out the Apple issues. And I think a lot of, a lot of challenges are priced in there. And then lastly, EOG Resources. You know, I think oil prices end up being supportive this year. The stock's down about 15% from all-time highs, showing support at that 200-day. And again, it's that quality theme. It's just a quality company. It has a low-cost structure, so maybe insulating you a little bit from variability in the commodity. And it has one of the best management teams who's been able to manage that cost structure. So there it is. I think those stocks have a good chance of outperforming this year. Five Below is, is an interesting one, Jeff, because you haven't really talked about it. So did you work backwards from your acronym or did, <laughs> did you actually say Five Below is definitely going to be in one of my and be in, honest, in, in a pick for the I mean, because it could have gone tame. It could have gone lame. It could have I mean, so many different ways it could have gone lame. You know what I did? I took an I took a notebook and I wrote down different names of ETFs and stocks, and that was one of them. I've been talking about that discount retailer theme, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Dollar Tree, Dollar General. But five is one I like. Uh, you know, me personally, I'm there all the time. I take my kids there. <laughs> a lot of my friends do the same thing. So um, I think it's going to be a good one for a deteriorating labor market and a slowing economy. They got a good candy selection there. We have to think about um, Irene Cara and Fame. May May she rest in peace. I mean, Fame. This what a feeling. I mean, that was one of the great. <laughs> Movies and songs of all It'll time. It'll live forever. It will. Um, Bonoin, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> What's your acronym? Yeah, so Jeff is being modest. I mean, he's got a name like the general. He's famous, so go on ahead and own it, my man. We all support you. Uh, mine is calm. I'm kind of channeling my inner zen, and ultimately, I want a book of names that's going to keep me from pulling my hair out in 2023, and I really think that's what's in store for a lot of people out there. So my first pick is Chevron. Uh, you look at 
10 and a half times forward earnings. You look at just over uh, 3% div yield. And really, it's this 10% free cash fl- flow yield that I want in my portfolio here. The next is AGG. Why continue to move per- further and further out on the risk curve when risk-free rates are paying you 47 uh, investment grade is paying you north of 5%. You can hunker down and feel confident that your money is going to be working for you there. You're going to get some yield. And again, you're not going to have capital erosion. My next name is uh, LMT. And I know that Lockheed right now is it was had the Goldman downgrade. Defense has really has really rallied here. But it's still exposure that I want much more than riskier growth assets. And then the last one is uh, McDonald's. And I think this is a bellwether. Whether we continue to have inflationary pressures, you're going to be there. Or in terms of the consumer weakness, that's something that, like, whether you're a high earner or a more modest earner, you can trade down into that much like your Walmart or Target. So that's a portfolio there. I think you're able to keep calm um, and, and prevent from really running for the exits with these names here. Interesting. All of the um, acronyms that we've had, uh, we've asked all of our traders, all of them have an energy, or 99% yep. of them have an energy aspect to them, which is interesting. Not Dan. Not Dan. Oh, or not Dan. TSLQ. Oh, no, I, I, look, I think energy continues to go higher, especially it does not need commodity price to go higher, which it may or may not do. But I think these energy companies look interesting for yep. sure. Up next, is this stock ready to spread its wings and blossom into a beautiful rally? Maybe so. Stick around for our chart of the week. That's next. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq Marketplace in Times Square. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to reveal our chart of the week. It is Caterpillar. Shares jumping almost 4% since Monday with the stock trading at all-time highs dating all the way back to 1929. But can shares keep inching higher? Jeff, you're looking at this one. Yeah, two really quick charts. One is just of the price channel that it's been in really for the last 25 years. And it's approaching the top of that channel, I think probably somewhere around 280. So I'd look at that level for the stock. So I think there's some more upside, but maybe limited. The chart that I think is more interesting is the relative performance of CAT versus the S&P charted against ISM manufacturing PMI. You can see, obviously, CAT being a cyclical business, they tend to move together. You've seen this really big divergence of late with the huge outperformance from CAT. I think that gap closes with CAT underperforming here you know, between now and, say, the end of this year. Yeah. Steve, your take? Yeah, I think, I think what we uh, would explain is this. It was that one2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill that was passed on a bipartisan level. Over the next five years, $1.2 trillion is going to be spent on companies like Cat, like John Deere, like Terex, uh, like uh, Martin Marietta. So I think Cat is showing us what they're looking forward to once those checks start getting cut. I don't think it underperforms. I don't think it closes that gap. I think it continues to perform and go basically with all of those all of that other group the ones that have not popped have been terex uh as well so cat's a name that i own and like uh continue to like it i do think it's had quite a run and when i'm looking at it versus say a deer it still trades about a turn a turn and a half expensive there and i think there might be some short-term relative value opportunity on the deer side we are seeing commodities come back with the weaker dollar and again you look across the ag space you look across the bulks iron ore we talk about china um it will support Caterpillar. And I think some of those headlines are not necessarily priced in because how could they be in Caterpillar? The valuation's not cheap. 
Um, but but I, I, I wouldn't be chasing it here. I think you can be buying some weakness. Um, cat or deer? Uh, probably cat. And, yeah. and again, I, I just think they have a more diversified business in this environment. All right. It's time for the final trade. It's already Friday. It's a short show. Yeah. Um, time to go around the horn. Um, Steve with the um, half zip. Go ahead. What's your final trade? <laughs> Stem the S in my just trade. Uh, Jeff Mills. So I'd be a seller of XRT here, the, the retail ETF. You know, generally looking at the construction of that, you know, there's an elevated multiple. A lot of the bigger weights have seen huge moves, over 100% in some cases. I don't think that's sustainable. Bonowin. IGG, 5% IG spread. Tim Seymour. Friday, boy, this, this was uh, an exciting Friday for me. It was exciting um, because you almost didn't make it. But, I mean, the show must go on. Um, Lyft almost seems like they didn't make it out of the pandemic, and that's my argument for this is not an economically sensitive stock. It's a stock that's, uh, I think, going to be more a function of their drivers and their efficiencies. I think they get to 24 EBITDA. I've been long a couple months now, and I stay long after even a big run. And this is one from your lag. This is lags. I don't want to, you know, I mean, like, this was acronym week on Fast Money. I hope you all appreciate it, because we love doing this. And we're going to be referring to these things till you're blue in the face. Until you're tired of it. <laughs> All right, that does it for us here on Fast Money. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere, though. Options Action's up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.